East side to the West. This is from the land, the Cleveland sports and more podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber. And tonight we talk winning guardians, winning hoops, winning horses, winning tech and winning time. I'm joined tonight by three of the best ever co-host Phil Denko is finally here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Matt Miller is making his triumphant return. Miller, how are you? Corny and corny, but glad, glad to be here. Okay. <laughs> and photogrammetrist and stereo compiler Chuck Rambaldo is here. Yes. Oh, did you say gram? What was that second word? Photo. It's all one word. Oh. Photogra- <laughs> photogrammetrist. Grammetrist? Okay. Grammetrist. It's a really interesting opportunity for you, Chuck, with Axis Geospatial. You know, the full service geospatial solutions provider. Of course. You'd be using photogrammetric techniques for a wide variety of clients. And it's a really good thing that you already have working knowledge of photogrammetric workflow processes like aero triangulation, and you have experiencing merging LIDAR and photogrammetric data together, because that's exactly what Axis Geospatial is looking for. Reading a job post and don't know what any of the words mean, you must be on indeed.com. I, I have none of that on my resume. So <laughs> does that sound like a company that Charles Barkley will do a commercial for in the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> I think they're just really fancy words for being a surveyor, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's only 22 bucks an hour, Chuck. I'm not sure oh, this is one you want to explore no. that much. Is that pre-tax? Um, it is pre-tax, Miller. Oh. Yeah, that's I think that's how they do that. But let's move on from something we don't know anything about to something we know everything about. Sports in the land. We'll stay at home, start our show with our Guardians week cap. Gentlemen, double headers are double betters. The guards played two double headers this past week and split both. They went four and two on the week against two really good teams. They are seven and three in their last 10 and have really come around after that ugly losing streak. 14 and 14 on the season, third in the division, currently down 4 1 to the White Sox in the first of a three game set in Chicago. And fellas, you know what? We look at this team on a week-to-week basis, and I think that naturally leads us to get caught up in short-term performance of the team, whether it's up or down. This was a really, really good week for this team, I think. Are you excited, cautiously optimistic, or pessimistic like Burke when he misses a nice yellow-throated warbler at the Metro Parks? (laughs) There's got to be a joke in there somewhere I am not coming up with because I'm a little too sober right now, but I'm going to go with Burke's yellow-throated warbler. Are you still pessimistic about the guards even after last week? I think they're going to be about a 500 team, but I think that they're going to be better than people think they're going to be frequently. They've got a lot of people that make contact. Batting averages are down across Major League Baseball where they first or second in overall team batting average at like 258, which seems ridiculous, but that is a that's that's what you know they're putting the ball in play. They've got a four four to five people in the lineup that have uh, on base percentages that are top in the league. So you know they're gonna make be competitive uh, as long as the pitching is there and they keep making contact. They're just when they're not you know not gonna hit a lot of home runs they're not gonna score maybe nearly as many runs uh, from the bottom half of the or as they do from the top half but they'll be competitive Phil, come on man join me in being way too excited after only one really good week of baseball yeah i i can i can join you in that team i don't know about way too excited i'm I'm slightly above cautiously optimistic though that was a good week like we we (laughs) thought they were we thought they were going to go into it and be lucky to come away with two wins 
and they end up with a winning record over the course of those seven games. Um, so, or six games or whatever it was four and two, I think they went <laughs> That's six, right? I'm excited about it. I think it was a good example of, of a couple things. When Fran Mills starts to hit in the middle of that lineup, it lengthens the entire lineup big time. And even though he wasn't hitting cleanup, you know, they had him for, five, six, whatever it was, it still lengthens that lineup tremendously. So now that makes that offense run a lot better. And over the course of those six games, J Ram didn't do much. And I don't mean that. I don't mean that as, I mean, he had a hit in every game against Toronto, but he, he went over the San Diego two game series, but really a, a down week for J Ram and the team kept winning. And I thought I took that as a good sign. Like we didn't need J Ram to produce two and three runs every game to have any shot at winning the ball game. Uh, other guys stepped up. It was a good week from that perspective. You know, we saw some pretty good uh, starting pitching out of Tristan McKenzie. And we were talking about that early in the season. Like, is this the year that that guy, that kid makes the leap? And so far, the last few starts, he's looked the best uh, amongst the starters. So I, I was just super excited to see Fran Mill uh, get off the schneid. And now he's hitting slightly above my weight, which is like three times as much as he was hitting before last yeah. podcast. Chuck, come on, man. Join me. Join me at the top. I am going to join you, Gerb. I thought it was an, an right. awesome week to be really optimistic about this team because they had yet to beat a team with a, a record over 500 until they beat the Blue Jays. So I guess I'm really optimistic too because I don't think the pitching's where we thought it was going to be. So the, what we thought would have been the weakness, the hitting is carrying this team right now. So why not be optimistic? Maybe they get on the same page at some point. I, th I think what Miller's saying is right. We've all said that it's going to be up and down of the season, but if they can get on the same page, uh, why not be super optimistic just this week? I'll join you for sure. I appreciate it. Let's be irrationally excited about how good they might be this year based on one pretty good week of baseball. It keeps the season interesting. And of course, they naturally, is, as I'm saying all this, they're losing four to one to the White Sox. Because Adam Simber doesn't pitch for the White Sox, unfortunately. Who's Adam Simber? The submarine style pitcher yeah. that used to pitch for the, the Indians slash Guardians, who now pitches for Toronto and pitched in every game, I think. And I think oh, lost okay. all three of them. Yeah. Seemed like <laughs> we, we worked that guy as if we knew we knew exactly what he was That's doing. Right. Like we saw this for a couple of seasons. This is going to be easy. Because Cleveland doesn't lose trades. If they yeah. got rid of somebody, it's because he's not any good anymore. That's right. All right. Let's talk hats for bats. Three red hot guardians this week, and we already brought them up. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes hit 611 last week, 11 hits, only five strikeouts. Andres Jimenez on our list again, hit 350 last week with seven hits and three walks. Josh Naylor hit 333, had five RBIs last week for the Guardians. So who gets your hat for bat? Uh, it's got to be Fran Mill. Just it was nice to see him produce and really. Produced, didn't have a ton of RBIs, but nice to see him hit the ball. And when I, I saw this stat earlier today, when he has at least one hit, they're seven and oh, he has no hits tonight. So, and it's nice too to see that he didn't have 10 strikeouts, he only had five. So, I, I don't know how you go any other way, but Fran Mill, considering what a rocky and shit start he's had to the season. Actually, I'm going to go off that list and go with Owen Miller. The guy's hitting like 355 is in the four hole and has enabled Fran Mill to move further down the lineup so he can have a little less stress on him and be more productive. I think he hit a home run to tie the game last night, right? And ended up... Um, yeah. Uh, did he score the winning run at some point in time? Or is that the difference? I don't know. I didn't watch the... I, Twitter didn't tell me, but he's been, he's been very, yeah, son, that sounds right. <laughs> Plus he's got a cool last name. So I'm going nobody, nobody calls us on all the mistakes we make during this show. Don't worry yeah. About yeah. It. Yeah. 
None of the 40 people listening are fact checker. No. <laughs> we, we have an om, but, omnibudsman. We don't. We I don't, think yeah, you're the you ombudsman. Want, you want to volunteer? <laughs> <I'm the> ombudsman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Thanks for not following the rules. Denko, how about you? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Fran Mill. The dude hit over 600 in the last week. And I think even if you went beyond that, he started to hit a little bit in the series before that. And he was still hitting over 500. Um, and we just need that guy to hit. He's not blasting the ball over the wall like you want out of your, your cleanup hitter. But when you're just putting the ball in play, getting two and three hits in every game, that's huge for this offense. It just keeps it rolling. And he, I, I could be wrong. No one's going to fact check me on this anyway. I think last week we talked about how the week prior he had 13 strikeouts in the week. Uh, so going down to five, uh, oh, much yeah. improved, much improved for animal. He had 17 strikeouts the week before. Ah, and he cut, right. he cut it down to five. Him starting to hit the ball and doing exactly what Chuck told him to last week. He started going the opposite <laughs> way a little bit, shortened the swing a little bit, yeah. went the opposite way. That's kind of the precursor to the power. Now he's starting to have really good at-bats, really good swings. The home runs are going to come for that guy. I'm going with Naylor just because I'm always so happy to see that guy produce coming off of that injury. Just great to see him back in the lineup and picking up right where he left off last season. So Naylor gets my hat for bat let's move on to the pitching mound with our k jewelers mound gems every k begins with k so who's getting your mound gem for the week emmanuel classe four appearances no runs no hits four saves and won a battle with vlad jr to close out the nightcap on saturday night tristan mckenzie and his win over the blue jays Six innings, only three earned runs. He had six Ks. Biggest thing is I think he only had two walks. So he was being able, he was controlling his pitches in the strike zone. And I really can't believe that this is going to be the third option, but it really makes sense. Sam Henches, he gave up no runs and had five Ks and three really big innings throughout the week of relief. For the year, he's got a .75 ERA in 12 innings with 17 Ks. So who's getting your mound gem? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever given anyone a mound gem. This is weird and, and sounds kind of awkward, <laughs> but here we go. No uh, here we go. It. It's, it's only, it's you'll only good for it. a week. Here we go. <laughs> Breathe in. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't have the, uh, I don't want to commit to a mound gem, but here's my Ooh, first done this mound a bunch gem. of times. Don't be nervous. <laughs> he gives a lot of mound gems. Wow. Poppers help. So my mound gem is going to go to class a, because as you mentioned, Gerb, he came out there in four of the six games. And not only did he not give up any hits, he didn't even walk a batter. He faced 12 guys over the span of four innings in four different games. So he was just lights out. And, and much like we were talking about with Fran Mill on the offensive side, if Classe starts hitting this stride like we saw him in, in parts last year, where he was just untouchable for you know a month to six weeks at a time, if he starts hitting that stride, um, I'm going to join you and Chuck in the really optimistic end of the uh, here all we right. go guards. Yeah. <laughs> How was that mound gem? Was that all right? That was perfect. Followed the rules. I, I like feel it. Weird. I feel weird about it. I think this is, even though it was a, a worthy mound gem for class A, I think that's what we expect out of him. So I'm going to go with what you presented, Gerb, with, with Hedge. I'm going to get it out of my mouth correctly. My mouth gem isn't working correctly. Oh, see? Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> had a great have. year. Like he's had a, a very quietly great year so far. And uh, for all the appearances he made to have an ERA at 0.75 and all those Ks, nice to have somebody super reliable in that bullpen other than Classe. So I'd go with him for my mound, mound gem. Well, every Classe begins with K. Every stat that you've listed <laughs> off has been amazing. My favorite stat with him is he has not been suspended for PEDs yet this season. Every game. 
clean. If we can go off the list and break the rules, I would go with Trevor Stefan. Is it Stefan? Stefan? Stefan's. Is it Stevens? Stephens? I don't know. Right? The rule five draft pick we took from the Yankees, I believe. So we had to keep him on the roster for the past two years. And he's developed a cutter that he's throwing all the time that people can't hit. And he's now the setup guy for class A. So he would be my mound gem light. All right. Miller's making up new rules and new awards. <laughs> That'd be my Walmart. Have on. I like he's it. my Walmart engagement ring. <laughs> Oh, buddy, you laugh, but at least one person on this show is wearing a wedding ring from Walmart. I got one from a gift shop at a cavern in Virginia. So. Nice. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving my mound gem to class A. Amazing numbers. And the fact that he kind of had a bumpy start to the beginning of the season. And it's nice to see him kind of settle in and get in that groove of being absolutely untouchable like he was at the end of last year. Next week is a big central division week starts with three games in Chicago against the disgraced white Sox, still reeling from that 1919 gambling scandal guards end the week in Minnesota against the twins. They come into the week, three games out of first place. Are they going to be closer than that or further away when the week ends? My hope is, is they're going to beat the white Sox like um, Nolan Ryan beat Robin Ventura, but I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen necessarily. We're, we're, we're the young guys in this situation. So I, I have a feeling it's going to widen the gap a little bit. I think we're going to get spot, Nolan Ryan is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get Cade. And I, I have a feeling that the guardians will make a run after the all-star break. That'll be their sweet spot. I think it's going to probably sit exactly where it's at. I don't think they're going to be anywhere above three games out or below. So we're calling this a 500 team. Uh, if they if they're splitting with both these teams, then hopefully they stay there. I guess I don't think they're going to gain ground or, or lose ground. So I think they're still at three. A good week this week against the the Chai Sox and the Twins would be three and three. Any way you get it, right? So yeah, maybe we we don't gain or lose any ground in, in that regard, uh, depending on how the the Twin series goes. They're, they're they're in first by, I mean, basically the, the White Sox and the Guardians are, are in a virtual tie right now, right? I think. Correct. Yeah. But, but the White Sox have won six games in a row looking at seven now. So we got to get one or two from the White Sox and then one or two from the Twins and we will gain no ground and then we'll get into a nice, easy run of shitty teams after that, I believe. Once this week is over, they play a lot of very winnable baseball games, but I'm going to stick with my irrational optimism and say that they're going to close that gap a little bit, at least a game this week. They'll win one of these series against the White Sox or the Twins and in, in games and ground there. But enough talking Cleveland Guardians baseball. The one important piece of Browns news that came out last week was that the NFL decided that it could not substantiate Hugh Jackson's claims that the Browns were intentionally <laughs> trying to lose. <sighs> What do you think was the best evidence Hugh Jackson had to support his claim that the Browns were tanking while he was the coach? Is it a text messages from D Haslam saying, keep up the huge losing streak with a thumbs up emoji B incriminating video of Jimmy Haslam laughing as he suggests picking Johnny Manziel C Corey Coleman, the first round draft pick in Jackson's first year as the head coach or D the decision to hire Hugh Jackson as the head coach. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his best evidence was that he was actually the head coach of the team. <laughs> he should have just led with that and then walked out. <laughs> you know my feelings about Hugh Jackson. I've gone into great detail about what a piece of shit that man is. <laughs> and uh, it was justified after last week. It was nice to see national people pile on top of him as much as we had. So, D, Hugh Jackson is Hugh Jackson. So, hopefully he's gone away for a very long time i'm going with e the record one win in two years 
sort of obvious. Like you could trip over yourself and fall into a win in the NFL at least once or twice a season. And we didn't manage to do it for two years. I think we do forget though. Sometimes like Hugh Jackson was a sought after assistant. Oh yeah. Right. Like we had to fight to get him. We probably overpaid to get him. That's why we paid a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He was sort of like the Deshaun Watson of the NFL coaching tree at the particular time that we thought might give us a chance to do something. So it was an odd choice that they went after a sought after veteran offensive coordinator for that role like you would think if you were going to purposefully tank that you would go after somebody maybe like a Patton, veteran coach that's on like, like all the yeah. other coaches yeah. we had yeah, yeah. yeah. like Patton, somebody Jadinsky. that yeah. nobody else wanted or someone that had been a coach 15 times and isn't getting another shot so here you go you got two more years here's your retirement package ride us home and see what happens so it does seem a bit odd that they you know the the hiring of him in particular with the, the way things work. Cause it's so obvious what they were trying to do. Like the fact that this is a discussion and they're researching it, looking at it, everybody knows what they were trying to do. They were trying to lose and get draft picks. Right. And they oh. hope that they stumbled into some wins, but they didn't want to stumble into too many wins. I think everybody knew that they were stripping down the roster to build up draft capital and stuff like that and get all those picks. That's different than what Hugh said at first was they were paying us extra to lose games. That's a big that's a big difference. Now he immediately backtracked from that after he said it a few weeks ago, and he actually refused to participate in the NFL's investigation, which is also like a really telling thing about <laughs> Hugh and his yeah. honesty. Yeah. Those are different things. I mean, I think that the fear was that they were being paid extra to lose games. That yeah. would be a problem. Not just we suck. The only way to get better is to build up draft capital. So we're not going to worry about the fact that like Cody Kessler is going to start 15 games for us in the next two years. You or know, that, that we're going to draft Cody Kessler. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. going to put him with Ugh. a coach that doesn't know what to do with Cody Kessler. I mean, he he did have incentives in his contract that were more like the sort of thing you would expect for a front office manager. He had to have a certain number of rookies on the team and he had to be okay with having a certain amount of draft. I mean, um, salary cap space each season and the more Why salary cap space. Why are you taking space... this silly joke question so seriously? Yes. I, I'm just saying. I didn't mean to any of this to happen. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. The man's a joke. He's a horrible coach, but I also think he's not wrong. Like they were paying him a lot of money and they were hoping we'd lose. So, I mean, it is sort of this weird dynamic of, I don't want him to be right, but like, you know, the, I, my eyes tell me what my eyes, you know, it's he would have like been paid the same like amount shit. of money. It's probably a pile of shit. When he went one for two seasons, he would have pay, been paid the same amount of money had he won three or four games each of those seasons, and he couldn't do that. No, <laughs> you know? no. But All had right. we won three or four of those games, we would not have had. We wouldn't have Miles Garrett, and uh, we wouldn't have. Oh yeah, whoever the hell's right. Mayfield. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there was there was there was certainly a four year plan in place that is outlined in his contract. And I think one of the issues with this is that. We know how the sausage is made now. How many coaches have this contract? There are players right now that are considering suing the NFL and the Browns because they feel like now their reputation was tainted by playing on that team when there was no interest in them winning because they were going to play rookies over them anyways. There's like this whole can of worms that could start spiraling out. And this might be the norm. All because of Hugh Jackson. Jeez. This might be the norm. There might be, there might be 32 coaches in the NFL to have some language like this now that no one knows. So I think that's also odd is that this is one of the first contracts where the details were actually released, which I would be embarrassed by if I'm Hugh Jackson and I signed that in the first place. 
right? If you oh, you know if you're going if you're taking the moral high road on that yeah. contract, well, and, you, know, you can't take the moral high road later, right? Like you have to decide up front. Right, I know and what I'm getting in. That's why he's Hugh Jackson. Yeah. That's the problem. That's what he's trying to do. And he got paid <laughs> to not coach the Browns for several years, right? Like after they fired yeah. him, he was still on the payroll. Just be quiet and enjoy your millions of dollars for doing nothing. Yeah. He might still be on it. <laughs> he might be. He might be. He probably is. He might be. Oh, boy. All right. Well, this was supposed to be hilarious and instead got all like serious. So <laughs> on that note, fellas, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and hopefully have some fun talking about basketball. Wee basketball. <laughs> I got some shit on basketball contracts, too. Let's keep this going. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road and start with the NBA playoffs. The second round is rolling on, and absolutely nothing is resolved yet. The 76ers and Heat are tied at 2-2. Two and two. The Bucks and Celtics are tied at 2-2. Two and two. The Warriors are up 2-1, but they're currently losing to Memphis. And the Suns and Dallas are tied 2-2. Two and two. Every series is even right now. Every series is close. And I think a lot of things about the playoffs so far, but... As you guys know, sometimes I'm off on some of my thoughts. So I wanted to run some of these ideas by you guys. Let me know if you think, man, you are right, or man, you are a clown. My first thought, spec threes are not as effective when you have stepped up to the dessert tray for seconds. James Harden, 16, 20, and 17 points in the first three games. The 76ers cannot win that series without more points from him. So my options here are man, you are right. Or man, you're a clown. Yes. For saying that the 76ers can't win without James Harden scoring more points than what he's been doing. All right. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think you're right. I think you're right here, man. <laughs> um, man, you are right. Even with Embiid back, like if, if Harden doesn't, at least score 20 plus a game. Like they need, they need his offense. That's what he's on the team for. It's his offense, right? He's so on the team for defense. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, he, I think you're right there. Harden has to step back for threes 31 last night and they won. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think that that, that helped prove me right. Other than Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, it's impossible to name any of the heats, other rotation players, man, you're a clown. Tyler hero is a rotation yeah. player on that team. Or didn't you know you're my Tyler hero? And, uh, <laughs> God, no, I thought the bam guy, he's not on that team anymore. Is he bam out of Bayou? Yeah, he is. Oh, That's I'm two. Got two for two. Nice. <laughs> Uh, Glenn Wright, one. Glenn, Glenn Rice, <laughs> and Ronnie Minor. Minor. Is Ronnie Cycli still on that rotation? <laughs> I'm proud of myself for getting two. I two is good. Yeah, I'm impressed as well. Can the Heat win that series with you know just those guys against an unstoppable force like Joel Embiid? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they can and and they will. It was nice to see uh, James Harden play more like Houston. Oklahoma City James Harden, then Brooklyn James Harden, where he became more of a facilitator. But with Embiid still being banged up, they're a be much better team when that guy's playing, obviously. But I think the Heat, yeah, the Heat should still handle business in that series for sure. I think Giannis means more to Chris Middleton than Chris Middleton means to Giannis. And you're a clown. Hong Kong bozo. Well, first of all, I don't know the personal inner dynamics of the relationship. It could be one loves one, the other, and the other doesn't love as much. Maybe it's unrequited. I don't even know if they're talking. Um, you know, maybe they're going through some sort of therapeutic sessions as they're trying to iron out whatever differences that they have. But, um, you know, they're they're a great couple, and I, I just hope they work it out. These two little lovebirds. Go get it, kids. I'm rooting for you. Was that a so basketball Danko, question? 
That was you did here's fine. My, you did fine. Here, here's here's my point, Miller. Middleton has been gone for this entire series, and the Bucks are still keeping it even against a good Celtics team because in the end, Giannis is just damn unstoppable. So doesn't yes. Giannis make Chris Middleton better more so than Chris Middleton improves Giannis's chances of winning? Yes, Chris Middleton is a guy. He's a good guy, but he's a guy. Giannis is a MVP, past, present, sometime again in the future. He's the Greek freak. His poster is up. He's got tennis shoes in Foot Locker right now. There are a lot of people that could be Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Denko, last week you picked the Bucks to win the series. You want to change your mind? No. Chuck? No. I, too, will not change my mind. The Celtics are still going to win this series. Just won this game on the road tonight. Go Celtics. The Warriors are getting old, and it's starting to show. You're a clown. I think it's because you're watching a young Grizzly team, maybe. I don't think they're. it's starting to show. Maybe in this game a little bit. They're not shooting that well from what I'm watching on the illegal sports app. Beep that out. I want people to know about it. I don't want to get shut down. They're not getting old. I would say seasoned. Maybe they're seasoned. They've been here before because we're in a demo where people call us old, and I don't want to be called old. We're seasoned. We're old. I'll tell you what, Denko, I watch the Warriors play right now, and they're still good, and they're still winning, and I still think they're going to beat Memphis. But Clay and Draymond and even Steph look like they've lost a step to me. They're older. Uh, they're still going to win the series. They're probably going to win tonight and take a three to one lead in this series. So relative to what we were forced to stare at for four straight years with the Cavs versus the the Warriors, yeah, they're they're older for sure. Clay is coming back after what two potential season slash career ending injuries in a row. And Draymond, you know, he's a guy that I mean, he just takes a beating, right? I mean, he gives a beating, he takes a beating, and that's the kind of player he is. So yeah, they're slower, but they've they've really done a good job this year with supplementing some young talent on that team like pool and those guys they're they're playing well so i don't i, I don't don't think they're getting beat by the memphis grizzlies right now I, I think they're moving on i don't think they're getting beat by the grizzlies but i don't think they're making it out of the west because i do think they've they've slowed down it's just not that that core of the team isn't the same miller better place to visit memphis or san francisco i've never been to san francisco so i'm gonna go with memphis which i have stopped in for about an hour of uh as we were evacuating hurricane katrina and had barbecue and Beale Street looked lovely. So I'm going to go with that. I agree with you. I've been to both and I like Memphis better. All right. Last one. I wrote this one last Thursday evening. What word is the best fit for the Suns Dallas Mavericks series? Sunstoppable or sensational? And in parentheses, I wrote, man, Dallas is done. Miller, am I right or am I a clown? Well, I don't know. I haven't watched it. So I don't know if you're right or you're wrong. I know it's a freaking Royal Rumble. The whole playoff series basically is taking you back to the Bulls, Heat, uh, Bulls, Knicks, Patrick Riley sort of series where people are being thrown on the ground and stomped on and they might get a foul, let alone you know this flagrant stuff that they give you. The stuff happening with Chris Paul's family getting you know taunted at and touched and stuff in the, the stands is yeah. a big that's crossing the line in that area. But the stuff that happens on the court for someone that who's just casually following the series on Twitter is is amazing because it's the it's the stuff I remember basketball being. It's how I played basketball. It's limited <laughs> skill set. You take somebody, you throw them into the ground. 
right? <laughs> so I enjoy seeing that stuff. So I don't know what your question was, but that's my answer. So the options were sensational and what was unstoppable, sensational and man, Dallas is done. I don't know if it's any of those. Dallas is, is played really well. Miller's right. Even if Twitter's telling him it's been a disgustingly physical series comparatively to what NBA is now. And you see when, when Chris Paul is off or uh, in foul trouble early, like real early yesterday, wasn't he at four? I think in the first, that becomes a different team. I still think they're a much better team uh, than the Mavericks, but I guess the Mavericks are doing what they what they have to do if they're pestering them or, or mauling them or whatever to get them off their game where they're more of a finesse team. I still think at the end of the day, they're they're sensational, but they're not unstoppable, I think. <laughs> Antetokounmpo. <laughs> um, I think the Suns end up winning this series, but I, I, I would not describe them as sensational or sunstoppable at this stage. Cause I think Luca is giving them all they can handle in, in the games and then the rest of the guys. So Luca's the finesse guy, right. For Dallas. And the rest of the guys are just going out there and throwing bodies around. So breaking the code. Yeah. Breaking the code, I guess it's working. We'll see how this series goes. I, I think the Suns end up winning in probably seven games. So maybe they're I don't even have a word that I could put sun into that uh, means anything about moving on barely, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's your, that's your, uh, your world there. Come I just something. thought it was funny that I wrote Dallas off after the first two games before they even got to play a home game. And then just as quickly, the series was even, and it looks like the Suns are going to struggle a lot to get through this Dallas team. Although I still tend to think the Suns will win. I still think the Suns are coming out of the West. They've just been too good all season long. But kind of two straight clunkers from Chris Paul is a real problem for that team going forward. All right, those are all my thoughts on the NBA second round. Uh, hopefully it'll be wrapped up by next round, so at least we'll get to make more predictions for what's going to happen in the conference finals. But Thank let's move God. on from <laughs> talking hoops to uh, talking horses. The Kentucky Derby was this past weekend. And the last time we talked about horse racing, the poor horse died after his shit trainer juiced him up, <laughs> allegedly. I thought a really like messed up moment at the Kentucky Derby when they took down Medina Spirit's name from the wall where they list the winners and changed it out for whoever finished second. It seems wildly unfair to me that the horse that ran the race has his name taken down when it's the trainers who are in charge of like what they put in him. Can't that even seems speak like for bullshit himself. to me. Yeah, he can't. I mean, he's dead, but even before that, he was just a horse. <laughs> so we're not talking about Mr. Ed over here. There was nothing he could do. Anyway, Rich Strike, a last-minute add to the field, won the Kentucky Derby as an 80-to-1 underdog. According to Cleveland.com, Sonny Leone, who was the jockey on Rich Strike, has Northern Ohio connections, having raced more than 1,500 races at Mahoning Valley Racecourse, and he was the winner of the Cleveland Kindergarten Stakes at Thistledown, the only race in the country to allow everyone over five to place a bet. He was also a backup catcher for the Tribe last year. Yeah, I think you're right. That would have been strange because he's only like four and a half feet tall. <laughs> That's perfect so. for a catcher, Strikes man. That's so. perfect. He, he yeah. doesn't have to squat. He just stands crouch. There. Perfect. Perfect for a catcher. Junk in the so dirt fellas, and the ball. We are all 45 plus years old now. Speak for yourself. Are you still mm -hmm. not 45 yet? Not me yet. Either. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just the two of us on uh, up oh, here. Boy. Guys. All right. Yeah. Well, we're at least 44, headed towards <laughs> 45 and beyond, hopefully. Do you think you've missed your window to become a huge horse racing fan? I haven't missed the window because I've always, I wouldn't say huge, but the, the first 
time I ever placed a bet was at like Northfield or Thistledown, I think. And I was in grade school because blast from the past, Mr. Slaby took like me and Bobby and he would place bets for us. And I, that's uh, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so I've always, I've always been a fan of horse <laughs> racing. We have a, a track here at the casino, which has gotten much better because the same company that owns Churchill Downs now owns uh, the racetrack here. So you're seeing some more talent. I've always liked horses, man. Uh, one of my favorite books was uh, about Secretariat and loved the movie. I don't know if I'm missing my window, but it's not like I'm a world-class handicapper or anything. So I, I didn't have Rich Strike or Red Strike winning this past weekend, if that's what you're asking. I would never classify myself as a huge horse racing fan, but I really like horse racing i've i've liked it forever i mean it's it you know even before we hit it big at uh Tursic's bachelor party <laughs> you know there was uh yeah it's it's always been intriguing i'm uh like chuck i'm not handicapping races i'm not you know i'm not going and traveling the circuit with these guys but i enjoy a good horse race uh whether it's uh the the big the big three or or something that's you know, live in front of me because we're in a town that has an awesome track. I think my days of hat wearing and mint julep sucking are just about to get started, actually. Like that seems like <laughs> something you ease into. I also like the fact that it's an all day tailgate and five minutes of sport, right? So like your attention span after you've been drinking juleps and a funky hat and a green tuxedo for 17 hours is minimal. Hey, let's watch this horse run around. All right, that was fun. Let's get back to what we were doing and somebody get us a ride home. So it does, I think, sort of eases into like it's the anti-golf, right? It's it's something you tailgate, you drink all day for, and you only have to pay attention to for five minutes. I think you could pull off being a horse trainer. Like I think you could walk onto the grounds at you know any of these big time races and get in by telling people you're a trainer. You if you're dressed right, you've got that look to you, Miller. Um, I also have a briefcase of horse steroids, so that also. <laughs> Oh, too soon. I missed my window a long time ago. I don't care. I enjoy going to a track like once every 10 years, but I'm, I'm never going to be a huge horse racing fan. I do have to mention that anybody was watching the Kentucky Derby at the end of the race when which rich strike won, uh, and it's guide horse was taking him back to like, like winner circle or whatever. He started biting him. Like, did yeah. anybody else see the two horses fighting? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And All it right. got hit by the jockey riding the, the lead. Horse, yeah. He right? was like yeah. punching him. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like a scene from uh, what's that Mel Brooks movie? The guy punches Brave a horse. <laughs> oh, Blazing Mel Brooks. Saddles. Blazing, Blazing saddles. saddles. Yeah. That ain't my arm film. either. Anyway, my wife she was at the bar with me while we were watching the end of the Kentucky Derby, and she's like, "Are you going to talk about the horse biting the other horse?" Yeah, I guess, I guess yeah. so, honey. We'll do that. All right. Well, enough Flagrant Kentucky two, Derby. Please. Congratulations, Rich Strike, on a huge upset win. We'll see if he comes back to win any of those other two big three races. But we're contractually obligated to talk about the USFL. So here we go. Maulers lost again. Breakers won again. Birkingham won again in a rematch of the first ever USFL Super Bowl. The Stars beat the Panthers by one. And if you go back to the first inaugural season of the USFL, the Stars played the Panthers, and the Panthers won the first ever USFL title. Speaking of that first season, the USFL's first inaugural season was 18 games long. What would you be willing to do to get the current USFL to implement an 18-game season? What I'd be willing to do? Oh, God. I would start immediately petitioning them for a nine-game season. I think it's, I, don't know, I don't think I'd be willing to do anything to extend this to 18 games. 
just a um, weekend around robin tournament and call yeah, it a day. like i'm already how many how many games are they four games into the season four four now like they so, should yes. just start it is they should just start the playoffs just let's go let's start the playoffs <laughs> get this shit done before the fourth of july when we got other stuff to worry about chuck you interested in eight more regular season games from this year's usfl <laughs> only under one condition oh i can't wait hugh jackson coaches mm-hmm. my pittsburgh maulers that's the only way I'm in. For hey, they're are, they're already tanking. <laughs> I know they that. sure are. <laughs> Miller, we've never had you on to talk about the USFL. How much do you love your first place New Orleans Breakers? Woo! Very happy about the enter the name of the New Orleans team because I can't remember it. Breakers the season haven't seen them in. I too have no interest in almost double the regular season games we have now. I think we know everything we need to know about the USFL and we should start the playoffs next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I actually like Miller's round robin weekend tournament idea quite a bit. I think that would actually draw my attention, but fellas, we're out of time in this segment. Why don't we take our final break, come back, head off the field and talk tech news. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. And I've been doing a little bit of reading and some research on some recent tech developments. So here we go. Bebopping and TikToking from the land talks tech. We're going to start with an invention from some MIT engineers. They have developed a paper-thin loudspeaker that can turn any surface into an active audio source. Basically, you put what looks like almost like a piece of paper down onto a hard surface, and it becomes a speaker. Is this game-changing or totally immaterial to life? Two thoughts here. Will it work on your wang if it's a hard surface? Can- <laughs> I was going to say, could you put it on Hook's ass and we'll start playing <laughs> on our butt? Glad we're on the same page, Miller. But two, uh, I'm more concerned with, with uh, sound quality for any portable speaker or anything like that. So if it sounds really muffled and shitty, then I don't know if it's a game changer, but it, it sounds it sounds all right if it's as thin as a piece of paper. But I like rich audio quality. So I'm, I'm nervous that that's not going to happen, even if a bunch of MIT guys came up with it. Assuming it gets to, I think, two things, really good sound quality, and it's got to be like wireless and Bluetooth. And I'm not sure that the paper thin speaker is there yet, but assume those two things. Is this a game changer? So somehow this paper thin device that is I've set on any hard surface is getting me rich audio quality and it's wireless. Those are my two assumptions. Those are the leaps we're taking there. Mm-hmm. Then it's absolutely a game changer if those two boxes are checked because paper thin, you just you just place those wherever you want, wherever you want, all over the place. Think of the well, think, think of the scene with from Howard Stern's private parts, just people <laughs> sitting on paper thin speakers. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everywhere. Game changer. <laughs> yeah, I guess you wouldn't have to put it on a f-er's ass. You'd put it on your own, am I right? Yeah, you just well, you could you could put it on a table and put the hook ass on it. <laughs> like, we're, there you we're go. Gonna get to it, Miller. <laughs> Think about it this way, Miller. I would say for seventy years, living rooms in homes in America have almost always been set up exactly the same way. You are facing chairs and couches towards a fixed spot on the wall where you've got your television you know it used to be a giant box it changes and now we've got sound bars and sound boxes and wireless speakers all around whatever put together this idea that you've now got this paper thin speaker that you can put anywhere with 
Another thing that's obviously becoming way more prevalent, which are like high quality projectors. And do we completely change the way our homes are set up with these two things? Because your TV and the sound from the TV can now be anywhere you want it to be in your home. Yeah, I think if that's the case, right? But that seems like a big leap because not only do they have to be wireless and they have to sound great, they also have to be adhesive. You also they also have to network. Double they stick have... tape has existed for like 50 years. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm talking about, does double stick tape throw off the sound quality, right? Because the, the side that is facing the surface is what reverberating through whatever to make the sound. And now you're putting something from the dollar store between that. How is that affecting the sound quality? They also have to network, right? If it's just one piece of paper for one thing, it's no different than putting your phone on a table. So I, I think there has to be some sort of interconnectivity beyond just the sound quality and the ability to place it somewhere where it's going to stay and also have it be something that's durable that your kid's not going to pick up and tear in half 15 times and also have it be affordable. If it's really cheap, it's really durable. It sounds fantastic. You can stick it wherever. They all interconnect and it works with any type of phone. Sure, but it's probably not all of this. I think you guys are all on something. I think this is huge. I think it changes maybe the way cars are constructed and in the way that the speakers work in cars. I think it changes the way we hear things and, and listen to things in our homes. And it's obviously at the beginning stage of it. Like, I don't think tomorrow I can go out and buy the fully interconnected Wi-Fi, great sounding paper thin speaker. Man, these guys have taken the first big step. They've created a thing that you can lay down on any surface and turn that surface into a speaker. So I, this blows my mind. I think this is amazing. And you're right. We may be six, eight years from it really becoming a commercially viable thing, because I think it has to be all the things you've just described. But I think it's coming. And I think you guys are negative Nellies. Next one. A British Polish company has created a microchip that you embed into your skin, and it replaces all cash, credit, and debit cards. Basically, what happens is you can just wave your hand in front of the payment reader at a checkout counter and automatically pay for an item. No one's Game using their hand. <laughs> I'm not Game. waving my hand, baby. I'm paying with that with nuts. <laughs> let me let me whip get this your 1995 out. Amazon. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna pay for that sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> My chip has been embedded in my taint. Let me whip this out. I don't think you guys are giving this level of seriousness I expected. The company is the one installing the chip, so you don't get to choose where it's getting installed, Miller. I think um, I do. No, you don't. I'm pretty sure. I have wait, a wait, your, your body, your choice? I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I don't Boy. know. No one's touching the... We can, no one's, we can say goodbye to that one, fellas. Yeah, right? <laughs> So, wow, this took a turn. <laughs> payment chip embedded in your hand. Game changer or inevitable? I think it's inevitable at some point that you're not going to need a debit card or your phone to pay for anything. However, the questions that they're kind of bringing up in a different way, right? Like, is this, if there's a chip in you, is it, does it have the ability to gather data about you, whether it's location service or biometric stuff, because that's where this is all moving at some point. So I assume that that's the way into your body, I guess, to pay for stuff. And then, uh, but, but is game changer if there were health benefits to it as well, if it was measuring biometric stuff, like your phone does or your Apple watch stuff does, if everything's gotten so much smaller, now you're putting it on your body. 
why isn't it going in your body at some point? I'm not saying I'd be a huge fan of it, but it's inevitable is what I'm thinking. Hopefully you can pay your uh, cancer copay for it with it, because uh, I imagine that's going to be one of the things you're getting <laughs> as you're putting some sort of radioactive mind. Why is it got to be radioactive? Right. I'm building exactly. these things. <laughs> I don't know. I watch. Right. So, that's a bad but choice. I'm, I'm guessing it's a bad idea. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, you're putting a bunch of metal in your mouth. I feel like they've thought of that part of it. Like they're not going to put something in you if it's going to give you cancer. Um, no, of course not. Companies would never do that. Cigarettes are perfectly healthy if it's 1924. <laughs> Over under 10 years. Implants? Until until our phones are implanted inside of us. Over. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it will in like 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> Miller, just go ahead and give me all your thoughts on this subject. <laughs> it, it's probably going to happen, but it's going to be forced. You know, some people that don't have a choice, like maybe people in the military will have it inserted in them in some way, shape or form. But I can't imagine a lot of people signing up for it because most of the stuff we're talking about is already here. If I want to yeah. go on vacation, I can turn it off. And if I want to go in the woods and take a hike with my kids, I can leave it in the car. And if it's constantly on me, I can't. And I know if I put this too close to me, right, there's chances that I might not feel well 25 years from now. But I can also choose not to have it in my pocket right next to my balls. And if I have a microchip implanted in my balls, I don't have that choice anymore. So I envision your hand, this man. Is, it's in your hand. <laughs> well, where do you think my hands are going to be? Either way. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Way the proximity is still there. The <laughs> Boy, I can't believe I'm even going to move on to this next one. By the way, I say inevitable. I, I think all this stuff is going inside us at some point. Probably take the over, but inevitable. All right, deep breath. Here we go. Researchers have created a VR headset that sends sensations to the mouth, lips, and tongue. The system doesn't require users to affix anything to their mouth for haptic feedback. Consumers do not want to cover their entire face, let alone put something up against or into their mouth, the researchers noted on their website. Scale of one to five, one being pornography, five being nothing else. What industry do you think will be impacted by this one? <laughs> Go ahead, Miller. <laughs> Roller coaster industry? I <laughs> Dental? I mean, it's porn. It's 100% porn. There's no other answer. It's, I mean, really, most technology starts off with porn, and then we figure out how to do it where it won't get us fired. But, you know, like VHS, um, you know, yeah, it's this yeah. is yes. This is the only one of these things you've talked about. I'd be on board with the only one. Oh, well, <laughs> I'd probably have to pay for it using my chip and my nuts and uh, listening to the sound of people moaning on my paper thin speakers inside my paint. I think it's a perfect setup. Your new man cave is it sounds fantastic. <laughs> Or I can just do all of those on this already. <laughs> it's well, fun. This is I, this is a this is an audio <laughs> media, so nobody knows what you mean when you say I can already do it on this already. Oh, that's my all right. That was one hundred percent my pain. Chuck, game changer or too much? Uh, maybe too much for somebody in our demo to think that way. But God, we were in high school. What was it? Judge Dredd was it, what movie was not yeah. Judge Dredd. Was it with yeah. like Stallone and Bullock Stallone. where they decide yeah. they're going to hook up and they just put on like VR stuff and that's how it happened or that's how it was happening then? Maybe they were onto something. Uh, that's maybe exactly. that's the way. Maybe that's the way Chip is going to supply me a, a grandchild at some point. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I, I think um, you know it's probably game changer, but not for not for us. I don't know if we'll see those days. Phil, anything to add, or can I put us out of our misery? All of this stuff is happening. 
it just is like ready player one, except ready player porn, right? Like that is exactly what is going to be happening. And I'll have the luxury of uh, raising two boys in, in the midst of that environment. And uh, oh yeah. boy, I, yeah, not quite sure how I'm going to handle that. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to get the content that... creation. That's where the money is. <laughs> Go talk to Uncle Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Don't Who can spell do. OnlyFans? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, enough tech talking probably forever um we talk winning some more basketball. Time. <laughs> all right yes winning time episode 10 the final episode of season one oh i didn't came see that last i haven't night. seen it yet should, can i should i get off i haven't seen it yet i'm watching it tonight i haven't seen it yet either i, saw, uh, I haven't uh, seen uh, it yet either denko yeah. have you seen it of course i'm available to watch that the immediately when it's released <laughs> so i watched it and i will not ruin it for you guys but it's a really good episode. Miller, what are you hoping to see in the final episode of season one of Winning Time? You know, I think if I can see John C. Riley's that's really key for me to wrap up the series. Like I, I had gone decades without seeing it. Now I've seen it multiple times. And now I just, I think we need one more piece to the resistance to sort of tie that knot together. You may be disappointed with episode 10. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, how about you? Does he try to pay for anything with his dick? <laughs> Seems like he paid no. for almost everything. I was about it. to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of the, the right. underlying theme of the entire season. <laughs> it's weird because all we talked about a lot is we wanted to see basketball and, and that kind of stuff and, and more winning time. But over the last couple of episodes, they've been so good. I want it to slow down. If that makes sense. I don't want yeah, the season. Sure. I don't want the season to end. We didn't know how they'd fit everything in into 10 episodes, but they did a really great job of it. Uh, so hopefully now that a lot of the conflict's been resolved after episode nine, I assume, uh, and Phil, don't ruin it, uh, that it's, it. it's, it's mostly, you know, like the culmination of, you know, like it already happened. So, you know, what happens, but yeah, still, there's, it's, there's it's a bit of a, a time jump. Yeah. It's going you know, like yeah. Yeah, to be a nice payoff. For, for us who have invested time with the series. I don't know about you guys, but to me, the most enjoyable part so far has been the, the coaching aspect, the tension between the coaches and the three different coaches involved. And I mean, that 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 I thought would be sort of a throwaway line to be much more interested in what the players are doing. The, the last couple episodes, like the the stuff with Riley at Westhead and you no, know, what's the guy that fell down? The make. McKinney, the Tracy McKinney. Lord's character. Yeah, yeah I mean, McKinney. like that stuff's been the most interesting thing, thing to me is the inner dynamics there. And that's the sort of stuff that you wouldn't read like in a news article, but um, that sort of fueled that was I found really intriguing. That is prevalent in the in the last episode. So you, you'll have to sacrifice your nip for some coach coaching. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, and I don't, I'm not going to give it away. I, it's a I will shame say you can't have it all Miller. Yeah, right. right. Maybe oh, we have, we, there've been episodes we've had it maybe, all. maybe in season one. two. Um, I will say this, this 10th episode is you get a, a little bit of everything we've enjoyed about the series up to this point. Like we know where this is all going in, in this season and, and you get to see that you get some Shakespeare quotes again, right? That's some crazy, crazy bullshit yeah. there that just permeates the entire season. You, you get Jerry bus being Jerry bus. You, you get the magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul Jabbar dynamic for sure. And you get some really good, and hilarious Larry Bird quotes and some really good and hilarious Jerry West quotes. So it's like all the stuff that we've gotten in the last three episodes, it's all in episode 10 as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm going to watch it again here in the next couple of days. Who is playing Larry Bird? Did anybody catch the actor's name? 
no idea who almost any of these guys are. Yeah. yeah. yeah Is it the yeah. same guy playing Joe Exotic in the the uh, the no. series with Kate McKinnon? No, because Larry, the guy, the, the kid they got to play Larry Bird is actually like six foot eight. Like he's a really? big dude. Yeah. He, he has some really funny lines as far as Larry Bird's character goes in, in episode 10. It's pretty good. What a sh- what a hard show to cast. You know, you yeah. have to find engaging yeah characters and actors to play people you know about but it's not like you're doing like a politician movie where you can make them look like like they have to do a jump shot they have to run a full court press yeah. i mean and even if it's twice a series some basketball but... yeah there's oh, been so some, there've been enough that you've got to be able to get around the court a little bit yeah episode 10 has more basketball in it than any episode probably more than all the other episodes combined to be oh, honest. Yeah. Right. So again, I'm, I'm not ruining it, but it's it's a good one. And I'm really impressed with the casting of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like that, yeah. how do you cast that guy? Like, all right, we got to find some huge dude that can He's can also, yeah, he can act and play basketball. He, yeah. he has a pretty good and episode. And knows Kung Fu. Yeah, that's a yeah, lot has, of stuff. <laughs> he has a pretty good episode in episode. Right. I hate to break it to you, but we are out of time. <laughs> Damn it. I am out of questions for now. And We just did the whole show without mentioning that science recently determined that it's healthiest to have five close friends in your inner circle. With that news that we need to make some cuts, and I know where I'm starting, (laughs) I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this real soon. Uh, Absolutely. Wait, 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 one more thing. A special happy birthday to a fan who hopefully is not allowed to listen to the show. Logan <laughs> Denko is eight today. Oh, happy man. birthday, Logan. Happy Sucky. All right, we're out. Still reeling from that 1909 gambling scandal. And the guards, and was it 1909 or was it 1919? 1919. 1999. Or man, you are a. Cl- uh, <laughs> You're a cook. <laughs> Chucky. Man. Other than Jimmy Butler. Oh, and I, was, Kyle I was still. Lauer. Sorry. Oh, I you was still on hard. No, oh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm yeah, I got it. Got it. I've changed my mind. Thanks for asking. Where, where, where are you at, Miller? Huh? Who's winning this series, Miller? Oh, I don't know. Whatever you guys said. Okay. <laughs> Bucks. Uh, Tampa Bay never loses the big games. Not with Brady. <laughs> you want us to take Are a we break on the road? get a snack? <laughs> <laughs> Stealing my kids' jelly beans. <laughs> Which they found in plastic Easter eggs all over our yard. And it tastes like it. But it's keeping me away. I said, I said, I, I heard Mel, I heard Mel Gibson and he said, Mel oh, Brooks. you said yeah. Braveheart. <laughs> yeah. Braveheart. <laughs> like, wait a minute. What, what did you do to that horse? I just hope that are the generals, the thing, are they back in it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Does Trump own them? No, no, no I, I don't would, think so. I would eat 12 Klondike bars for him to take over the New York generals again like he owned it in the first time and then try to move them to compete with the NFL and fold the whole league again, because he will not be running for office then a couple of years and he can be busy doing some other wacko shit. Oh boy. Miller had Sorry. to get into yeah. politics. Yeah. Now I got to cut Sorry. that part out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you want a different answer? Um, yes, please. <laughs>
join me join me at the top come on before i join you it's a little side note about the burke and his bird watching that i was on on the phone with my sales manager at work and he was working from home and mid-sentence he's like oh my god what is that he he got really excited there's a bird outside (laughs) right so unsolicited he sends me a picture he's like what is this i said i know a guy so i sent it to burke (laughs) he's like that's a <laughs> and Burke threw it in his uh, supercomputer bird app machine and set back what it was. Uh, but nonetheless. All right, here we go. I'm doing it again. We're another Gerber, another Gerber beer. That's All right. Well, I had no idea that we had a Hugh Jackson defender. No, I'm not a Hugh Jackson defender. I'm just the defender of obvious. Like, we are obviously not trying to win. Like, I, I don't know why that's an investigation. Yeah. Well, I think but the, the problem is after we were obviously not trying to win. Wasn't it? Wasn't he was piggybacking what's his name's um, complaint or, out of Miami? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. part of the he was actually getting paid extra money to lose games. It, it, now, if Hugh was getting paid per loss, he should definitely shut the fuck up because he got a lot more money, right? Like, <laughs> well, clearly he was not. Also, Flores also protested it while he was an employee. Yeah, like he said, yeah. I'm not doing that. And he won games that he was not that they mm-hmm. didn't want him to win. Yeah. So he, and, he's just a much better you, coach. There you have, <laughs> also much better human. Yeah. There you have integrity versus right. yeah. a lack of right. integrity. Right. Yeah. Boy, but they I do have you by the quick short little minute. like two minute wrap to that to yeah. that segment. We're going <sighs> to roll right into this one. Everything was going to be great. And fucking Miller turned on the fire hose of facts. <laughs> <laughs> A fire hose of facts. Clearly, you don't listen to our podcast. No, I, I, I need to start listening more. I apologize. You, you know, Nick Chubb has trade value, but you're not dumping that dude. He's your he's your workhorse for the rest of his contract. Oh my so. god! Can you imagine what would happen on Twitter if the Browns oh. traded Nick Chubb? <laughs> uh. I don't know how Twitter works, so no. Um, but um, <laughs> it would be bad. It's very yeah, reasonable and well can thought. I, and reason. Can I? Oh yeah. You can yeah. like a tweet. Can you hate a tweet? Is there not a hate yet? Not, not yet. yet. Come we'll on, Elon Musk. Musk. Elon Let's Musk. go. <laughs> Give me a thumbs down or a middle finger or something. <laughs> Speaking of middle finger, did you guys see? This was the, you didn't bring it up in the basketball, but uh, um, Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid are friends, right? Like they played one year together, I think, in Philadelphia, and they're they like each other and after Joel Embiid came back with his Batman mask on he had I don't know if it was on Instagram or Twitter or whatever said something because they won the game and says oh it must be the mask and Jimmy Butler immediately responded and all it said was your mask (laughs) (laughs) awesome (laughs) did you see um Draymond's quote after like I think like game two of that series he um he, he caught an elbow in the eye or something like that or near the eye and he was bleeding and he was going off the court and like the fans and fans in Memphis were like cheering. And so he started flipping them all off as he was walking out and they asked him about it after the game. And he was just basically his point was, um, well, if you're going to cheer for me when I'm hurt, if you're going to be like that, then I'm going to flip you off and, and I'll make an, yeah. I'll make yeah. an appearance or something um but if you're going to be nasty and i'll make the money back but if you're going to be nasty i'm going to be nasty and then he he ended the quote with something like you know i make 17 million a year 
I'm going to be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was great. It was like, yeah, that's, that's the most honest thing we've heard an athlete say today. You know yeah. what? <laughs> Go ahead I, and find me 50 yeah, grand. Man. I think it's awesome. <laughs> You know what else yeah. is awesome? Love that too, right? Like that is that's free publicity. It hypes up the. It's like you know having a heel in a wrestling <laughs> match. Yeah, yeah. So it's good for the NBA. Before we get started, do we have a hit yet? Do the Guardians have a hit? They have two. They have two. Well, three. Oh, no. uh, I think Rosario just got a hit as well. I was watching early, not watching, but I was watching the score, and I I saw that we had a run, but no hits. I'm like, oh, that's that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, that was the that was the sheets tweet because uh, I tweeted that after he dropped that fly ball that allowed a run to score, and then the bottom half of the inning hit a home run to put up put him up four to one. <laughs> Oops, a Daisy. <laughs> Those three are on me, guards. Sorry about that. <laughs> everything everything we say, man, it's just we we the opposite happens. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> let's do it. Let's see how many takes it takes me to get through introducing Chuck tonight. All right. And that game that Clevenger pitched was the first game he had pitched in, what, two years? Yeah, he had yeah. Tommy John surgery last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Kwan in a million just scored from first on a lazy looping pop-up to left field. To left field. <laughs> he yeah, that doesn't first. make any sense. Right. I mean, they didn't catch it. was It landed because they were playing a shift on Naylor. So it, it it was a base hit. Yeah, but he scored the score first. Now? Five to two. Five two. Phil, so what are you watching? What is happening in the Guardians game? Like this is insane. We're uh, your facial expressions game. are the most entertaining thing I've yeah, seen in a while. Because Every I once just, saw, just goes. Yeah, I'm watching. I can't this. tell if an alien is about to probe <clears throat> anally or if it's just. Burnt. Well, no, I, I'm not that lucky. But the <laughs> like right now, it, the, the the White Sox are winning we're winning eight to two going into the ninth inning. Like that's a done done deal. Right. So we start this inning with uh, Jimenez hitting a home run. So it's eight to three, then bigger beard, which is now almost no beard Rosario hits a single, just a routine single to left field. The left fielder comes up, guns it into the cutoff man. It hits the cutoff man in his head and like oh. bounces off into right field. Like the cutoff man had no idea what was going on. And Rosario ends up on okay. third. I don't know. And Rosario ends up on third base. So he's on third. And then the next batter, I forget who was just up, hits a routine dribbler to third base and he he boots the ball. So now it's eight to four. There's no outs and we got another guy on. Did Bobby Bradley report? So he he cleared waivers. He's back. Yeah, I saw that, and then I saw he was getting fined. Yes, because oh, I don't, I don't think he reported back there. Maybe he was oh, taking yeah. his sweet time. Maybe. Yeah. Because because maybe, maybe Logan Allen got picked up, right? Like, didn't Logan Allen get picked yeah, up? The, the Orioles picked him up. Uh, yeah, oh, man, starting rotation. Yeah. So now addition by subtraction, right? There, right. Man. We never <laughs> now we cleared the... about him then bringing that dude back. Well, we have the other Logan. So Allen, the other better. Logan Allen. Yeah, he's better. So get him on the on the major league squad. Does he get the we drop in the middle two initial Logan now? Allen's. Yeah. Yeah. Now that he's the only think, one right? in the yeah. Yeah. The regular Logan Allen instead of Logan R. Allen. <laughs> uh I don't know. Like Bobby Bradley, like, yeah, what's his complaint? Mm. Was it, hit, was it a palpable hit? 
I I hit O thirty one. Why why did you send me to the minors? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gave me a lot of chances to hit one hundred, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> did, yeah, did you did you see what I was doing with the buttons on my jersey? You don't want me up yeah. on that squad. Yeah. Like, come on, yeah. the distraction I mean, alone. Yeah. They've hired a hitting coach that's implemented a strategic plan throughout the entire minor league and perfect and major league baseball system on how to approach hitting for the first time. And this guy's doing the exact opposite of what he's telling them to do. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we have the tying run coming Ball. to the plate. Who is it? Oh, did it go? Naylor. No way. No way. way. <laughs> Damn it. I gave him tying. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Somebody should win a fucking card for that. <laughs> Sounds like you just did, and now I know I get to. I'm like 30 seconds behind yeah. you. So does he? Oh pitch, man, does he rip the first pitch over the wall? I don't know if it was the first pitch or not, but as soon as it left the bat, it, it, oh yeah, first it pitch, yeah. 99 mile an hour heater right. <sighs> Funny. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?